Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. My name is Emily, if we have never met before, and I am the Connections Pastor here at Radiant Life Church. My husband, Phil, who I just made fun of. I'm allowed to do that because I'm, you know, I'm his wife. But anyways, we have been here for about eight months, and uh, we're having a great time. I can't believe it's already going to be coming up on a year in January. That honestly blows my mind. Um, but we, um, I'm really excited about this message today. We dove in last week into a series on the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, I think, sometimes gets a bad rep. It's not as exciting or so people say. But really, the book of Proverbs is so rich and full of God's wisdom. So if you've never read it before, I want to encourage you, uh, don't just take my word for it. Why don't you read it yourself if you've never done that? Because it really is an awesome book. And I love how Pastor Matt introduced it last week. He said it's essentially his... Twitter feed. It is Solomon's Twitter feed. And if you don't already know this, Solomon was known to be the wisest man to have ever lived because God imparted this supernatural divine wisdom on him. And so if we're going to listen to all these other voices in society, I would say we should probably give Solomon a listen. And so it is said that we only have about 10% of the wisdom that Solomon wrote down, which is pretty impressive because this book, I mean, it is literally line by line. It is one nugget of truth after another. And so um, we're just going to dive in today. But I want to give you a little bit of, a, I guess, a preface. If we're going to read the book of Proverbs, we have to understand how to read the book of Proverbs. Because how many of you know that every book of the Bible has a different message and a different purpose? And I think one thing that's really important when you read the book of Proverbs is that you need to know that Proverbs do not equal promises. They are principles. They're not promises to you. They are principles for you. So for example, when you get into a car, hopefully you put on your seatbelt and you do that not because it guarantees your safety, but it increases your safety. Proverbs are the same. They're not necessarily promises. Oh, if you do this, God's going to do this. But it's saying that if you live this way, your life is more than likely going to turn out better if rather than if you had not. And so these are principles for us to live by. For example, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start off children the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. But how many of you know you've got some kids that raise up in the church, and they're rebellious now? And you're like, where did you come from? And that's because this is not a guarantee. Obviously, it's what we want, but it's not promised that if you raise a child in the church, that they are going to remain in the church. However, they are far more likely to follow Jesus if they have a good experience in the church and they have parents who love Jesus. These are principles to live by, but they are not promises. Now, speaking of children, uh, many of you may remember the last time that I was on this stage speaking or sharing a message. I was very pregnant and clearly, hopefully clearly, I'm not anymore, right? 
I hope so. Um, so I have a three-month-old son. He's going to be three months old on the 5th, which is really hard to believe. And his name is Callan. I actually think we have a picture of him. <laughs> it's my favorite picture. Phil's like, why don't you put like a really cute one? I was like, that is cute. He looks like he's going to beat somebody up. Um, anyways, um, his name is Callan. And uh, we go by, he goes by Cal, not Cow. I've had countless people say, cow, like the animal cow. And I'm like, no, cow, C-A-L. So if you ever refer to him, his name is not cow, it's cow. Um, but anyways, it's been really fun being a first time parent. Um, but let me tell you, it has been very interesting. So before I had Callan, I honestly was never a kid's person. I always knew I wanted to have kids, but I was never the kind of person like, oh, let me hold your baby. I want to babysit your children, that type of thing. I just, even in high school, that wasn't really my thing. And so I found out I was pregnant and I'm like, I don't have any clue about kids. And um, I would have people tell me, you should read this book, listen to this podcast, follow this YouTuber. They're going to give you all the tips and tricks on how to take care of a newborn and all this stuff. And internally in my mind, I'm like, one, I don't have time for that. Two, that's what my mom is for, you know? So every time I have a problem, you know, I just call my mom and honestly ask her. I call her probably every single day. So at this point, I'm kind of wishing that I would have prepared for parenthood a little bit more because every day is an adventure because I really don't know what I'm doing. For example, um, a couple of nights ago, Callan was sleeping and he, um, he sleeps in a bassinet next to our bed and he was crying and I had just fed him so I knew he wasn't hungry and so I grabbed his binky and I was like trying to put it in his mouth and he wasn't taking it and I'm like kid like this is gonna calm you down like take the binky so like I'm in the dark like trying to put the binky in his mouth and I like take a closer look and I was putting it in his ear <laughs> I was like maybe that's why you're crying because I'm stuffing your binky in your ear anyways those are some of the parenting fun things that I've gotten to experience. But one thing that I wish I would have done is I wish I would have prepared a little bit more for parenthood. And how many of you wish, whether you have young kids or old kids, you wish there was a manual on how to be a parent? Wouldn't that be so wonderful? But every kid is different. Already my kid is doing things that nobody told me about and he's not doing things that people told me about. And I'm like, I feel like this is just a guessing game. But the nice thing is, is that when it comes to life, we don't have to guess. We do have a manual. As believers in Jesus, we have a manual, and that is called the Bible. And so more specifically, that is the book of Proverbs. And one thing that's so awesome about the book of Proverbs is that God is revealing his desires and his character through Solomon himself. And so when we read this, we really get a, we get a glimpse on what God wants for our life. And so today I want to talk about something that God desires for all of us that he made clear through the wisdom that he imparted on Solomon. Now today's message is a little bit more practical um, and maybe a little less spiritual. It seems maybe a little less spiritual, but how many of you know that those two things kind of go hand in hand? That's why we call them spiritual disciplines, because they're practical, but they make a difference in the spiritual. So today I want to read from Proverbs 4, 20 through 27, if you are reading from your Bible, and it says this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health 
to one's whole body. I think Solomon's telling us to listen, don't you think? He says, pay attention, turn your ears, do not them out of your sight, keep them within your heart. Then he says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity, keep corrupt talk far from your lips, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And with that, that is the close of my message. Phil, where are you at? You want to come up here on the keys? No, just kidding. Just kidding. But honestly, we can end there. That's so good, right? There's so much instruction in that passage that I could probably just drop the mic and walk off because scripture does speak for itself. Amen. But I want to dive into that a little bit more this morning. You see, in these verses, Solomon is saying, I want you to keep your focus on the goal, the purpose that God has for your life. And so today, the title of my message is Fix Your Focus. Because how many of you know we all focus on some things, but are they the right things? And how many of you know that the world offers a whole lot of things And there's a whole lot of noise on things that you could do, that you should say, that you shouldn't say, things that you should think and not think. But I don't know about you, but I want to fix my focus on what God says about all of those things. And so today we're going to talk about fixing our focus on what Jesus wants and has for each and every one of us. And I love that Solomon says that these verses give life. What he is saying is these principles will help you live a life that is whole in Jesus. He is telling us that if we follow these principles, that we are going to be healthy and live full lives. Fix our eyes on the right things. So my first point is, Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, I think it's important to note that this is not talking about like the, oh, I love you with all of my heart. None of that. This is talking about our minds. When you actually look at the root of the word heart, it's actually talking about your intellect, your emotions. That is what Solomon is referring to. So in other words, watch your stinking thinking. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? That's something that I've used quite often throughout my life, is watch your stinking thinking. What he's saying is guard your mind. Guard your mind. Now, why is this so important? Why does Solomon say this? Because your thought life controls the rest of your life. See, Jesus put so much emphasis on our thought life that he said, If you so much as look at someone lustfully, you are committing adultery. That sounds like our thought life is very serious and very important. And we should guard our thoughts. You see, someone once said, sow a thought, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. You know what that tells me? that says that our thoughts lead to our destiny. So what are your thoughts today? What are your thought patterns? And are they focused on what they should be focused on? 
Because before you do a thing, you have to think about a thing. And I would even say that what you do with your life will be the sum total of your thoughts. What you do with your life will be the sum total of your thoughts. So what are you thinking? Are you thinking negatively about your life? Are you thinking judgmentally about others? Are you listening to what scripture says about you? Or are you believing the worst about yourself? Do you walk around forgiven but feeling ashamed? What is your thought life like? Because that will lead to your destiny. So you should guard your heart. You should guard your mind. So what should you think about? If you're not supposed to think about all those negative things, and I know I'm, I'm a pessimist sometimes. I'm not naturally an optimist. But if I'm not supposed to be pessimistic and look at everything negatively, what am I supposed to think about? Well, see, Philippians 4, 8 says what we should be thinking about. It says whatever things are holy, whatever things are pure, whatever things are right, whatever things are true, whatever things are thoughtful, those are the things that we are supposed to be thinking about. The second thing is watch your words. So we're supposed to what? Guard our minds. Secondly, we are supposed to guard our mouth. What are we saying? I, I love this quote by John Green. It says, the human tongue is like wasabi. It's very powerful and should be used sparingly. They should also add that it's very delicious because I love lots of wasabi. But Solomon goes on to say further in Proverbs, he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue in Proverbs 18. Then in Proverbs 21, he says, watch over your mouth and tongue and keep it out of trouble. Now we do this not only, which this should be enough of a reason, but we should watch our tongue not only because we represent God's kingdom, right? I mean, that's a good enough reason in itself is that we represent God and his church and how he loves other people. So if, if we represent him, shouldn't we be kind and loving towards other people? But that's not the only reason why. We also should do that because it protects us. It keeps us out of trouble. It keeps us from harming or damaging relationships. It keeps us from disrupting peace when it's not necessary and hurting others. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have words that you said a long time ago that you wish you could take back? So we should watch our words because our words have consequences. And so if we want to live this whole full life that Solomon is talking about, we need to watch what comes out of our mouth because there is no rewind button, unfortunately. You know, Phil and I, we've been married for just over two years and uh, we've been together for three. And how many of you know that there are two different types of people in a relationship? You have the one person who has a lot of tact and one who's biting their tongue all the time. So I'm the one who's biting their tongue all the time. You know, it's funny. You know, people are always asking me. They're like, is Phil really as nice as he seems? Like, maybe is is he like flaky or something? You know, like, what is he like at home? Does he fight with you? And I'm like, no, he really is exactly how he comes across. He really is this nice, just like he acts like a golden retriever. And it's true. That's really, that's really who he is. And I love him for it. And it's funny because when he came into our family, we're like, we're going to have to roughen this kid up. My dad was like, I need to like make him a little tougher. You know, he's just too nice. 
but unfortunately, not unfortunately, actually, fortunately, that's just the way he is, and I wouldn't trade it. But it's funny because, you know, we'll be going somewhere where, what, you know, there's going to be a conversation that's had or something might come up that's touchy, and he'll be like, okay, Emily, this is what we're going to say. This is what we're not going to say. Now, I want you to rehearse it to me. What are we going to say? What are we not going to say? And I just have to say, he's probably saved me from being in so much trouble and from saying things that I shouldn't, because sometimes I just have no filter and things are what they are. But I'm so grateful that I have him in my life to help me watch my words. And despite what I say, when I say, well, that's just how I am. That's just how I was raised. There is no excuse. If scripture says it, then it applies to every one of us. There is no, that's just who I am. That's just my personality. That's just how I grew up. That's just my background. I'm just going to say what I want, say what I feel. I'm going to challenge people whenever I want. I love to argue. I love to debate. That's not an excuse because scripture says that we should watch our words. You see, it says in James 3.10, it says, out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers. This should not be. And see, I think sometimes we read this and we think this is just like, don't cuss. And this is not actually what this is saying. What this is saying is do not speak negatively to anyone or about anyone. Do not curse them with your words. And so if we are going to praise God, we should not also have negativity and curses coming out towards other people. That's what this is saying. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And I do have to say, this is more of the practical side of things, but kind people just tend to make it further in life. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, there are a couple that sneak in, maybe some mean ones that make it through, but usually people who do big things in life are the ones who are kind and who say things that are uplifting. But I want to just maybe... You know, maybe this, this will challenge you a little bit, but everything you say is either glorifying God or it isn't. Maybe everything you say either allows the enemy to take ground or lose ground. What you say really does impact your walk. If scripture says that life and death are in the power of your words, I wonder if our words are far more powerful than even we realize. So this means holding our tongue even when we have something that we really want to say. You know, it might show on your face, but you don't need to say it, right? Listen, sometimes my face just, I don't know, it has a mind of its own. But this means caring more about people than the issues that you have with people. This means choosing to love people more than you love stating your opinion. This means considering the feelings of others in order that you may be a peacemaker that is talked about in scripture. You see, it's common sense, but at the same time, it's not always common to watch your words. You know, there's an anonymous quote that says, as a rudder steers a ship, the tongue steers your life. So watch your words. So what do we have? We have guard your mind. Then we have guard your mouth. And lastly, we need to guard our vision. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. 
Solomon said, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. In other words, don't get distracted. Now I understand you may be, I'm a squirrel person. Listen, I see something and I totally lose my train of thought. Being a mom has made everything more foggy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what has God called you to do and are there distractions in your life that are veering your vision away from what he has? Then he says, give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. What he's saying is be intentional with what you do with your life. Don't just glide through it carelessly, doing whatever comes your way. Then he says, do not turn to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. What he's saying is don't fear, veer from God's path for your life and don't cut corners. So pay attention to what you pay attention to. You know, a couple of years ago, I want to share a little bit of a personal story and I'm going to keep it vague, but... Um, a couple of years ago, I've, I've been in some form of ministry since I was 17 years old. And prior to that, I was involved in the church because my family was really involved in the church. And, um, but I've been on staff at a church to some capacity since I was 17. And um, this was a couple of years ago. And at this time, I was already pursuing pastoral ministry and I'd already gotten my degree. And I, um, I really was hopeful and excited about what God had for me. I was really, really excited. And I found myself under this leadership that I really, really adored. And I loved how they led. And I really, really looked up to them. And I trusted them. And I hope this speaks to people who have experienced church hurt before. But um, I remember, kind of out of left field, um, they said some very degrading, hurtful things. Things that it was almost as if the devil had told them exactly what buttons to push to knock me down. And I remember being so taken aback by that. People that I trusted, that I thought believed in me, people that I thought wanted what was best for me, suddenly decided that it was okay to say horrible things about and to me. And in that moment, I had to make a decision. And I, I, I will have to say, there was a moment where I was like, you know, it'd be easier if I just let this all go. Maybe what they're saying is right. Maybe I should believe that I'm not called to ministry. Maybe I should believe them when they say that I'm not authentic. Maybe I should believe them when they say that, that I'm toxic. Maybe I should believe all of these things that they're saying about me. And uh, there was a moment where I was like, you know, I'm just going to hide in the shadows. I'm just going to hide in the shadows. And I really believe that that was what was best for a moment. And I'm so glad that the Lord picked me up out of that moment because I know I would not be here if that were the case. I probably wouldn't be married and I probably wouldn't have a son. And I remember one of the turning points that really made me shift the way that I saw that situation. One of my mentors said, you can either let this distract you from what God has for your life or you can let it propel you further into what his will for you is. And you can channel your hurt into a deeper surrender into his will. So you can either let this be a distraction from what God has for you. You can either let this make you feel disqualified. Or you can take that. You can surrender your hurt and say, Jesus, I only want to go deeper with you. This is making me only want to get closer to you because people will hurt you, but don't let that distract you from what God has for you. 
So don't get distracted, whether it be a good thing or a bad thing. In that situation, it was a bad thing. Tried to distract me from what God had for me. But maybe you have a really awesome opportunity that has come your way, but you know deep inside, this is a distraction from what God has for me. This is only trying to pull me away from what God has for me. If he has you on a mission, stay focused on that mission and don't let evil take a foothold. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. We need to fix our focus. You know, I love what one of our students said in his sermon for um, fine arts a couple months ago, Elliot Gray. He said, he talked about horses and how they had the blinders up. And it stuck with me since he said that. And, you know, how many of us maybe need to put up blinders so we don't get distracted and we just look at the road? We just look ahead. We don't look at all the things that are happening around us. We look ahead to what God has us on mission for. We put up blinders and we say, I'm not going to pay attention to that. That's not from God. That's a distraction. So here are a few things that can determine and guard your path or guard your vision. One, your passions. Everyone has passions, but your passion needs to have guidelines. Because how many of you know that you can have passion about things that are not of God? And if God is not passionate about it, I would question whether you should be passionate about it. Because you might be passionate about the wrong things. Your character, who are you becoming? Pay attention to the little things that are building your character. And are you the same person in every scene that you find yourself in? Are you the same with your family? Are you the same with your friends as you are at church? This will help guard your path. Decisions. We all have consequential decisions to make in our lives, whether good consequences or bad. But are you making decisions to please God or to please yourself? Do you keep God in your decisions? Do you include him in the decisions that you make? Do you look to his word as a filter for everything that you will do? And then your responses. You know, that situation, I couldn't really control what happened. Really, that was out of my control. But I got to decide how I was going to respond to it. And I got to decide to respond to it with grace. And I'm so glad that I chose that decision. Because it kept me focused. I was able to see a bigger picture. Because if you truly believe that God is sovereign and he sees everything and he knows everything, little things like that are not going to deter you from the path that he has you on. We need to keep these areas of our life, our passions, our character, our decision, and our response are centered on God to maintain our focus. So what are you focusing on? Are you guarding your mind so that you focus on the right things when you think? Are you guarding your mouth? And, and are you guarding your path, your vision? You see, we can talk about all of these things, and these are some practical things that we maybe need to work on, but the thing is, is we talk about wisdom. Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and wisdom is the right application of knowledge. It's not just knowing something. It's knowing something and doing something about it. 
Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Now, I want to read a story for you um, about a man. His name was C.T. Studd. And maybe some of you have heard of him before. But he was born in 1860, and he was an expert cricket player in England. And if you don't know what cricket is, it's kind of like baseball, apparently, but it's kind of the equivalent of their, our football. It's very popular. It's what people love. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's what people love to watch. And it's, um, it's something to aspire to be good at. And he was famous by the age of 16 because of his ability. And then he went on to Eton College, and then he furthered his education in uh, Trinity College in Cambridge. However, along the road, he had a real encounter with the Lord. And he said that in that moment, he knew that he was a sinner and that he needed to follow Jesus. And so he made that decision in someone's living room. But then he said that he got distracted. And all the fame and the popularity and the money that came with his successes distracted him from what God had called him to. And so he says he went six years and did his own thing. He still loved the Lord, but he just did whatever he wanted. And then at some point, God met him in the road and said, hey, you've been living a life really distracted. You haven't been thinking about me. You haven't been talking about me. And you've been living your own life. And so out of that, he began to feel convicted. And he knew that he needed to go on the mission field. That was his calling. And so he decided to sell everything that he had, leave all of his fame, all of his comforts, go to a foreign country, learn another language, and give up everything. He first went to China and then later on ended his career as a missionary in the country of India. And if you've ever heard of the Cambridge Seven led by Hudson Taylor, he was one of the seven. And his decisions and actions eventually led to the student volunteer movement. If you've never heard of that, that's when thousands of students, there was a movement that went out of America. A bunch of students went overseas. And a lot of our establishments and churches that we have all over the world are out of that movement. But it all started with the Cambridge Seven. And what I love about C.T. Studd is that he lived a life of popularity. He had everything he wanted. He had money. He had fame. He probably had all the girls. He probably had all the friends. And he decided that he would trade his life of popularity for a life of obscurity. And what led him to do this? It was a life of focus. He fixed his focus on what God had called him to, and he didn't let those things distract him. He paid attention to what he paid attention to. He didn't let fame get to his head. He used his words, he used his mouth to share the gospel. And he felt that people were worth learning another language. And if you've never, if you've never learned another language, you know that that is very difficult to do. And he felt that lost people were worth that. And he spent his life focused on the mission. Now I'm going to read a poem today that was written by C.T. Studd before he passed away. And um, I'm going to read it as Phil plays. And then I want us just to take a few minutes to reflect on the things that are said today. Whether it is you need to fix your thoughts. Maybe you're, or you need to guard your thoughts. What things are you allowing to sit in your mind and ruminate? Are you thinking on things that God wants you to think about? Or are you thinking negatively? What about your words? Are you speaking negativity? 
Or are you letting your words be worship in everything that you do? And are you letting life distract you from the mission and purpose that God has for you? So we're going to read this, and then I want us to take a minute to reflect. This poem is called Only One Life by C.T. Studd. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then on that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then Lord, help me with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep faithful and true, whatever the strife pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's take a moment to reflect.
God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that your word is living and it is true. God, we thank you that you don't expect us to figure life out on our own, but you give us the tools, you give us the words, and you give us the wisdom to walk through life, not only just serving you, but to walk through life as a whole person, someone who is fulfilled because of you. And God, I just pray that you would help us see where we need to shift our focus in our life. I pray that you would help us get our thoughts in line with you, that our words would align with your will and your love and your grace for the people around us. And God, that you would help us not get distracted, that we would guard the things that are trying to distract us from your purpose and your will for our life. God, that we would be a focused people, that we would fix our focus on your mission, the things that you have called us to do. And nothing would be able to veer us away from that. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.